The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. We are so back. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to West by Pod, a podcast about WVU football, the Big 12 Conference, and soaking in a quality win. I'm Joel Bracken at WV Stats Guy. I'm joined, as always, by Jordan Pinto at Game Day Shorts. Jordan, what did you do with all the uh, mental energy you saved uh, from not stressing about a football game yesterday? Well, uh, I'm paying for it today. I'll tell you that. I'm paying for what I did with all that extra energy. I I let yesterday get the best of me. It was it was a you know a long kind of a perfect recipe for disaster. Um, just from a personal standpoint of you know it's a beautiful day in November, um, night game, so you get plenty of time to get your tailgating in and uh, and yeah, I, I you know I, I let it get away from me there a little bit. You know, I think you know not having to uh, to feel like I pay attention to the, or pay too much attention to the game after, you know, after halftime and then really let the, uh, the party kind of start in the stands there. Um, but yeah, no, what dude, what a, you know, I think it's kind of, uh, kind of what we were expecting or maybe hopeful that would happen just, you know, with the way that the teams matched up. Right. But, um, an unfamiliar feeling to, uh, to actually go out and, and take care of business the way we did. Yeah, it was, uh, reminiscent of some old mountaineer teams where uh you were way better than them and you got on them early and it never was close uh, many many west bipod listeners might have remember we said that uh they just stink and uh yeah they, they did it was <clears throat> i think we outclassed them in pretty much every facet of the game uh yep. so yeah it was nice to sort of coast in and i mean we put this thing away early and it, even though the score was you know only like three possessions and you know Maybe just a little bit of angst as they return that kickoff. Um, it never felt like we were really in trouble. Um, and that's something under Neil Brown. I can't name many games that were like that. So uh, starting to put some things together. And, dude, I can't believe we only have three games left in the, the regular season. It's it's really kind of flown by now. Yeah, that's how it goes, man. Time flies when you're having fun, right? And this year has been, it hasn't been, you know, 
it's had its ups and downs, but it certainly hasn't been a slog. Um, you know, the way that we've kind of been the last couple. So yeah, it's been, it's been a good time. Um, and yeah, it's kind of disappointing, right? Like I'm, you know, I wish we had more because it feels like the team, like you said, they're, they're kind of finding, finding something, you know, this offense, it's been what five, five games now, four or five games now of, of really high quality football. Um, and it's fun to watch again, right? Like the thing we kept saying is like, if we're going to be bad, at least be fun. If you're going to be shitty, be fun. And, uh, we're we're fun we're a fun team to watch right now so um yeah yeah i yeah, mean it's a blast the offense i think has been everything we could hope for this year uh with realistic yeah. expectations i think garrett green blew away realistic expectations or he has been um and we'll, we'll get into that later in a little comparison with oklahoma when we do that preview but i mean he's right there with any of them in the conference with the sample size being almost a full season at this point so um couldn't be happier with the way the offense is turning and, and moving the ball i mean last night Against BYU, um, 567 total yards, and on the ground, 336. So I uh, I was watching the broadcast. I was not at the game, but they dropped an interesting stat on the broadcast. First time we've rushed for uh, in back-to-back games, I think it was over 275 yards since 2008, uh, which is, uh, you know, quite an – yeah, that that's an eyebrow raiser right there. That's like, oh, so we're like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had multiple dudes over a hundred yards. The first time that's happened in, in many, many seasons. Um, and yeah, I mean, we really could do no wrong, uh, other than collect some penalties. The refs were just weird last night. Um, I, yeah. I guess that's the best way to say, it. I mean, there were some insanely late calls on the kickoff return. I don't know what the vibe was like. They, the camera was just panning the crowd for a while on that weird, um, illegal man downfield but then it went to a review of where the spot was or something and there was just like a eight minute delay of like they brought in the rules guy and they're like what's going on he's like i I don't know what they're doing at this point yeah Um, i think that was the that was the general sentiment in the crowd too is just like what the hell's going on like let's can we please just get this show on the road you know but yeah weird what 20 penalties right i mean that's for for two of the least penalized teams in in uh, the country coming in and then, yeah, they just throw up a 20 spot. It's pretty, uh, pretty unheard of, pretty rare territory. And that, and that was the most penalties in a FBS game this year. 20. What is um, that? There you go. Yeah. yeah. And that they had 19 was the, I think the previous top record, uh, for the season. And we had 19 or the, the combined was 19, like halfway through the third quarter. And it was like, what is, you know, it didn't, I don't know. It didn't feel like that sloppy of a game, but maybe that's just cause we were, we were kicking their ass and, and that sort of, you know, smooth yeah. those things over. Yeah. Yep. Sweeps them under the rug. Yeah. No, I mean, you said it, man, 336 yards, dude. How about Jaheim white? Like God, yeah. you know, like we've been, huh. it, offense doesn't feel stale and slow anymore, dude. When you get this guy, the ball and just let him run, man. Like what a, what a shot in the arm, dude. He's like, he's going to be special. Um, what do you have? 16 for 147. Which is yep. uh, it's pretty pretty crazy. And then I was looking it up, and uh, so eight point three yards a carry on the season on fifty attempts um, leads the Big Twelve with eight, eight leads Big Twelve and Power Five uh, with eight point three yards per uh, per carry, and second in FBS to some dude from New Mexico State, which you know doesn't really count anyway. So um, guys, guys, electric, guys, electric, and uh, you know, I mean, throwing it back to that two thousand eight, what maybe there's just something with West Virginia and having. Um, quarterbacks with with color last names, right? Like Pat White, Jarrett Brown. There it is. Jarrett Green. There it is. So we just need to keep uh, you know, keep that in mind when we're recruiting the portal, recruiting high school kids. Um, and if we just just have that color for the uh, you know, color for the quarterback, we're in, we're in good shape. 
No, that is a really funny trend. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, I mean the <clears throat> we didn't even need Garrett to play that well last night. It was the crazy nah. thing. I mean, he played. He played. He played an above college, above average, you know, PFF grade, but not his best work on the season. Didn't really have to run the ball much. Um, you don't really need to when you have Jaheim White averaging nine a carry, CJ also averaging seven a carry. You yep. get the backup Nico in, he averages eight point eight a carry. You know, it, it was. I think we just dominated him up front, and yep. uh, I'll, I'll have to look it up as we're talking here. But the amount of times we ran left, I mean, the left side was the strong side of our line last night, but. I think um, Connor Stallions could have been on the BYU sideline and been like, hey, they're running left, and they wouldn't have stopped it last night. I mean, it was it was clear as day what we were doing. And, and you know, I think we just outclassed them, which when, uh, when in the last five years have we played a conference opponent and be like, hey, we're better than this team in a lot of ways, and we're just going to, like, flex flex that, and we're just going to attack them, and, and, hey, we're going to do it till you stop us. Like, we... It feels good to be like, yeah, we, we were just a more talented team pretty much every way last night. Yep, and 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 paid it off, right? Um, I'm looking at these uh, at these numbers. So as a team, we ran... Uh, it's actually pretty, pretty balanced. Um, 20 times to the left, and 20 times to the right. How wow. about that? That's surprising. Neil on the balanced like ears, baby. There it is. Um, yeah, it was... Um, well, I know we had some injuries on the right side of the line. Um, and yeah. then we had a, uh early injury as well. I think it was uh, Yates, maybe, who got hurt early. Um, but we... Yeah, I think he, he at least came out for a few snaps. But um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, overall dominating performance. I mean, you know, we talked about Neil... Or we talked about Green. We talked about the running backs... I think the O line played really solid. Um, you know, they were they were creating big holes and dude, the the one two punch of just the hard to tackle CJ and then you throw the speed surge at him. I mean, that's really just a I, I think that's a really good concept to sort of mix those guys in. That really keeps defenses off balance. Um and then, you know, the receiving room, you know, no guy shined, but everybody contributed. Devin Carter had some really tough catches. Yep. Uh Preston Fox had some tough catches. Cole Taylor, <laughs> he like Missed a couple catches, and same with CJ. Missed a couple catches he probably should have had. And then Cole Taylor makes the uh, the crazy, you know, shedding tackles play, dives out for the touchdown. Kind of yep. makes up for it. He was targeted six times, and like three of them he probably should have had at least, maybe four. But, yeah, he, he creates a 43-yard touchdown out of your tight end. That's uh, That's not too bad. Yeah, it's another one where, right? Like, if it's a if it's a different result or or a tighter result, then then you know those things are probably things you think about. But um, yeah, in a thirty seven, it's hard to be too nitpicky when you win when you win thirty seven to seven. Um, but yeah, no, Taylor was good. I thought Traylon Ray was good. Traylon Ray was actually open. Um, I think on the pass that went to Preston Fox, Traylon Ray was uh, was open for a touchdown as well. Um, love the Carter catch, dude. You know what I loved is is. Um, like it would have been very easy when it was twenty four nothing. We get the ball back with like forty seconds left till halftime. Would have been super easy to just kneel that out, right, and take yep. and take twenty four nothing. Love that we came out, threw it down the sideline. It was probably one of those things where, like, if Carter doesn't make that play, then maybe we just run it two times and go into halftime. But made that contested catch down the sideline, and then you know end up getting the field goal right, um, driving all the way down and getting the field goal right before halftime. So, um, love to see that. Rodney continuing to get mixed in there. What I think he had three or four touches, um, one catch, and, and then a couple runs. So, like seeing him get mixed in, and yeah, no, I mean, 
just all around, yeah, like you said, really good performance. Great play by the offensive line. Thought the defense, um, you know, wasn't really a fair fight, dude. Their their offense was as bad as expected. And that poor, uh, the backup quarterback, um, you know, it just wasn't really a fair fight. But defense did what it needed to do for it to be a comfortable result, right? Like, you you, you mean, you had the shutout. Would have loved to have kept the shutout. That would have been, been nice. But um, also nice that we're getting a lot of bodies out there in a game like that. So, um yeah, I, I agree yeah. what you said about not a fair fight. I mean, we we highlighted it last week that this was not a good running team, and, and you have a, a good a team that's not good at running, an offense that's not good at running, and a backup quarterback. It's really not a recipe to move the ball. Um, so you know, we kind of <laughs> figured coming into the game. Hopefully, this defense would be able to handle them. And I think it was a little bit of both. There was a little bit of give and take where it was like their dudes weren't making plays. Um, we had a lot of like pass breakups, but a lot of those plays, I'm like that dude might've been able to catch the ball. Like it was, you know, like a half drop, half pass breakup, or, you know, just like a good hit on him. That happened maybe like four or five times last night. It felt like, um, you know, the Aubrey Burks, the, uh, you know, that was, that was a real takeaway, uh, in yeah. the sense of he stripped it and fell right on it. I mean, that was a, a play to be made when they were actually, you know, going to score and potentially keep this game close going into half. Um, it just felt like we stepped up every time they had any glimmer of hope, big on fourth downs, big on, um yep. you know they were over three on fourth down three for 11 on third down i mean so that's three for 14 on uh on your money downs i mean that's just that's really efficient and felt like we always had him in control um just bummer we uh didn't keep a goose egg on the board it was uh you know i, I don't know how many ones were still playing there in the fourth quarter on that particular yeah. drive or in that stretch but um when the, when the kicker missed the field goal it was like oh like we could get a shutout here um yeah yeah, no, I mean, you know, the victory cigar, Christian Stokes got got game time uh, yesterday. So that tells you what kind of, you know, for some reason we were allergic to playing him, but he got two snaps even in the fourth quarter. So um, anything, anything else about BYU? I mean, it's good, good for us all around, huh? Hey, good for us. Yeah, good for us. Yeah, thanks for coming. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it was a just, you know, like I said, it was it's been a welcome thing to win a game handily and actually not play down to opponent play to the level we expected them to. And as we got up, I didn't feel like we let off the gas. I mean, we had a couple drives that ended in field goals. This could have easily been 40 some points on the board, yep. you know, maybe fifties, but I feel like everybody played through three quarters um, with a similar level of intensity. Um, you got some breaks like, you know, the kickoff return getting called back, which the whole really wouldn't have mattered if it, you know, it didn't create the hole. I don't think, you know, there were some plays like that. that I think we got some breaks, but yeah, we took advantage and, you know, this game, football, it's like you don't have to play your best every week. We definitely didn't play our best, but uh, we played, you know, well above what we needed to win, handled business and uh, hopefully got out pretty healthy, got some backups and some, you know, Mark Ewell had some good drives in there, lots of lots of depth on defense. We played 27 dudes on defense. I mean, yeah, it's just, these are the wins, I think, when you look at programs like Alabama or, or Clemson or, or whatever powerhouse program over the last 10 years you want to pick like they do such a good job of rotating depth in because they win so much that they get guys like ex game experience while they're young because they can get in fourth quarters and do that and I think that's like a somewhat important program building aspect that like these snaps in the fourth quarter can be meaningless but it's just hey these guys like got dressed they played real live snaps and like they know what game speed is and I, I think that's important for sure for sure and and we're gonna need it here these next three games i mean 
you know, we've we've talked about it a lot. There's the injuries have stacked up on defense. Um, so we need these guys to be able to play. So yeah, it's it's good that they're good that they're getting out there. Um oh, yeah. I think my last thing, if you feel like getting your Jehovah's Witness on, you know, knock on some doors, ask some BYU fans about the ass whipping that real deal Neil put on them this weekend. So that's my last bit on BYU. Great win, great day. And uh yeah. All right. So the Big Twelve, let's let's talk a little recap. Big Twelve is is the most exciting um conference race in terms of just the number of teams who still got a shot coming down the stretch um i mean i know the pac-12 is kind of heating up as well it'll be interesting to see in the big 10 michigan ohio state but this thing's wide open i mean half of the teams in the conference are one game or outside of first place or in first place um and we highlighted it last week but last week was or this week was it was a big week in conference um a lot of games that really were going to sort of determine how this thing shook out um, so first game was the Thursday night game, and this was actually a game that didn't really matter too much. This was TCU Texas Tech. Um, so these teams kind of had uh, worked their way out of the picture, and Texas Tech wins this one 35-28. Um, kind of a back and forth game. TCU hung around, made a made a comeback a little bit in the third quarter. Uh, did you get to watch much of this game, Jordan? Uh, I had it on a little bit. I'm a, I'm a Steelers guy too, so I was watching. I was more watching that game, but yeah, had it on, um, and kind of went as expected. You know, um, yeah, I felt like uh, felt like Texas Tech was was leaning on the running game. Uh, Brooks Brooks had another good game. He's a good player for them, um, and yeah, just uh, outlasted him a little bit. And boy, the honeymoon's fully over with Sonny, I guess, huh? I mean, TC's just having a having a rough one. Yeah, yeah, they they dropped a two and four in conference. Both of these teams are going to be fighting for bowl eligibility, and uh, I don't think they have the easiest games remaining. So uh, Texas Tech picks up the W. Glad, uh, I think you texted it to me, but just, you know, glad we beat these teams because yeah. uh, as uh, time went on, those these teams were not maybe what we expected early in the season. I'm sure uh, I'd have to look it up, but both these teams, I'm sure, were in the top half of the preseason poll, and yeah. uh, they're not there now. They're not in the top half of teams who still got a shot in this conference. So. Um, yeah, so that was your inconsequential Big 12 game this weekend. Um, starting Saturday off, I mean, the first game was was awesome. Texas-Kansas State. Te- Texas gets out early, um, and I'm checking the score. And I, you know, Early, I think they're up three scores maybe. They're up 24-7. It's kind of looking like they're pulling away. Kansas State scores three times in like under three or four game minutes. Uh, they force two quick turnovers, cash them in, and... <clears throat> Coming down the stretch, kicker misses a chip shot, uh, comes back and drills a, a pretty decent kick to send this to OT. Texas kicks the field goal in OT. Kansas State gets the ball down inside the five, and they go for it on a fourth down from the four-yard line where they could have kicked the field goal to extend the game. Um, we chatted about it a little bit before we started recording. I thought that was a little questionable. I mean, I think Kansas State had a lot of momentum. Um Hindsight is, is is quite clear, but uh, yeah, I feel like they might have wanted to extend the game and keep playing. They they seem like they had Texas on their heels. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I think we're we're on the same page there. Yeah, it kind of felt like uh, so we didn't even we were watching it at the tailgate I was at and, and like missed missed the whole comeback. It was twenty seven seven. We were getting ready to kind of migrate to our next spot, and then somebody like you know on the way out peeked at it and was like, "Holy shit, it's tied!" You know, um, and yeah, they yeah they definitely they had Texas reeling. It, it felt like. Um, whatever swag Texas had had, you know, had early in the game was was just completely gone. Um, K State was was grooving. Um, 
and yeah, no, I, I, I think in their situation, I get why they wanted to do it, you know, in Austin, I, I, I guess I understand the call. Um, but yeah, just in, in the context of the game, um, yeah, take the three, go down get, get your seven and then, and then just hold them, you know? Um, yep. so, but really they, I, they kind of f- fucked us a little bit, right? Like we needed Texas to lose that game to have a shot here. We were kind of talking about that. We're, uh, we're on the outside looking in as things stand right now, if we went out. Um, so thanks a lot for that, Kansas State. Um, but yeah, great, great way to start the Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was just really a fantastic Saturday in the big 12, um, in your three thirty spot, you had bedlam, uh, which was also just an awesome game. This thing was back and forth. Um, you know, really coming down the stretch, Oklahoma, uh, it probably doesn't happen to them very often. It's usually, you know, other teams feel this way. But Oklahoma kind of got screwed on a uh, on a third down heave to the end zone. Stoops got, I mean, he was basically tackled before the ball got to him. And no call, which was just, even the announcers, they brought in uh, the, the, you know, the rules analyst. And he was, they were like, why was the flag not thrown here? And he was like, I don't know. And that's, that's, that's pass interference. It was pretty bad. Um, Oklahoma State gets bailed out, but that's not to say they didn't play well. Ollie Gordon at the 137 on the ground. Uh, he continues to be just insane. He's 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 a beast. Um, he's a beast, dude. Oklahoma State taking the eternal, maybe not eternal, but they're taking the very long term scoreboard on Oklahoma uh, as they leave the conference. I I, I kind of I appreciate that. The hateful eight loves that. So that's a big round of applause to them. Yeah, that's a it's a good. Hopefully, we can uh, keep that trend going. Um, Oklahoma on a little bit of a slide here. Let us all get our licks in on their way out of the conference. Um, but yeah, good game, dude. Yeah. Ollie Gordon beast, just absolute beast. I think what, like 33 carries, two touchdowns guys, a workhorse guys, just a stallion, different, different level human being. Um, but yeah, no, I know. I think we talked last week selfishly. I kind of wanted Oklahoma to win this just in case, you know, there's a little extra, extra anger factor of, uh, you know, coming in on a two game losing streak to our game. But, uh, the other side of that is, you know, we played, we played Oklahoma state tough, right. And, um, you know, to see them, they, they went in and, and beat Oklahoma. And, uh, so why can't we, you know, I think there's some confidence to take out of that. So, um, yeah, watched a little bit of the same. Didn't, didn't, didn't get to watch the end obviously, cause we were getting ready to go into ours, but, but good, uh, good way for Bedlam to go out fitting, a fitting into the series for now. Yeah, it was a good ending and, you know, Oklahoma had their chances. It wasn't like this one call decided the game. I mean, it was a consequential call, but, um, there were, they had, you know, they had a chance with a minute to go to move the ball and they went out on fourth down. So, um, yeah, like I said, hateful eight, I think we're all rooting for stuff like that. So good to see them take that W with them, uh, as OU bails out for the SEC, um, moving to the seven o'clock. I think these were all seven o'clock games. West Virginia obviously was one of them. Uh, Kansas, Iowa state. This was another game that really mattered here in the, the top of the table. 28, 21. I will say it was not as close as, uh, the scoreboard had it really. I mean, Kansas or Iowa state sort of found their way back in this game, but early on, um, this was not a close game. I think it was 21 to three. So, uh, Kansas really had this thing in control. Iowa State sort of fights up a comeback here and ends this thing in one score game. But uh, Kansas, man, continued to impress. They're seven and two, and uh, that's a real football team now. It's not just gimmicks. How about them? Yeah, no. Nah, so obviously, I didn't get to watch any of this game, but yeah, it's a, it's a nice win. Iowa State had been, um, you know, kind of quietly one of the one of the uh, kind of under the radar good teams in the conference. 
Um, so yeah, it's definitely, it's a, it's a good win in Ames. Uh, we know spooky stuff happens there and yeah, they went in and took care of business. Good win. Yep. Yep. And that keeps Kansas quite in the hunt for the big 12. Um, two other games in the conference. I'm probably just going to hit them quickly. Hughes, they were both very close games. Um, they were just kind of bottom feeders. Houston takes Baylor out on a two point conversion in overtime. Uh, Baylor is certified in the mud now, um, three and six, two and four in conference, uh, and, and Houston getting a second conference win now. Houston is, uh, still the only new team to, uh, to get those wins, right? I, I think, uh, UCF got their first one this week, but it was against Cincinnati. Um, BYU, Who did BYU? I'm trying BYU to remember BYU beat somebody. BYU, BYU beat Texas Tech. So that is there the other go. sort of incumbent loss um but yeah houston taking baylor out houston just a funny team and we've talked about it i feel like dana teams are just high variance and they figured it out baylor's not good also and they're they're still left on our schedule so they dropped a three and six two and four yep yep the uh the the opinions on aranda have quite turned i feel like yeah dude from coach of the year to uh two years later i mean this guy is i mean is he gonna survive the season you know who who knows like Hey, we go down there, put a little Neil Neil Brown ass whooping on him. Um, who knows what happens, right? So, yeah, if you asked me three years ago if Neil Brown would be the d- final blow to fire Dave Aranda, <laughs> would be quite the the narrative. <laughs> uh, uh, um, Neil Brown flipping scripts since twenty twenty three, baby. Yeah, <laughs> since since seven weeks ago. Um, <laughs> um, final Big Twelve game of the week was UCF Cincinnati. These are two teams fighting for their first conference win, and UCF pulls this one out 28 to 26 for their first Big 12 win. Um, yeah, not a, not a lot to not a lot to mention here, but um, yeah, congrats to UCF. So since he is the last team in conference without a uh, conference win, two and seven, and they are left on the schedule as well. We got yep. Cincy, we got Baylor. We're going to talk Oklahoma in a minute. Um, but I'm just going to tell you that we got two incredibly winnable games and a game that we're going to be, you know, I think we're going to be in it. So, uh, that's exciting for, for West Virginia sitting at six and three, eight wins is looking like we can, we can get to eight wins, which at the beginning of the season, I would, uh, I would have pressed that button and and taken that result and not asked for any more. So, um, all right, gang, hitting quick pause here between the recap and the precap. Um, ask the Discord channel for some questions, and uh, hey, you guys obliged. Uh, unfortunately, though, Joel and I didn't see these until after we were already done recording the pod. Um, so we're going back after the fact. I'm going to edit them in. Um, please ignore any timeline continuity errors, and uh, we'll just start doing this every week going forward. So um, appreciate the interaction. First question from Clarence Ovois. Say they went out to go 9-3. and three. Does WVU renegotiate Neil for an extension? in exchange for a lesser buyout i'd be all for this um why not i think you know anything you can do to get to get out of the uh the the fully guaranteed buyout um is is something good and and shit hey we go nine and three get a little security under my man's belt here let neil do his thing on the recruiting trail bring back the whole team next year could be in business we really could be in business so i don't know i would be for this i you know hey go nine and three first right but um yeah yeah what do you think joel that's it it's an interesting proposition because if you go nine and three, you assume you totally have them in another year, and then you know, assuming we have them for a whole another full season and are happy with them, the the buyout becomes less of a deal. Um, 
yeah, I wouldn't be against that. I think I think the the thing is, if we keep him here, we're probably going to be giving him another year or two in terms of okay, we trust that this is growth. We have good young class coming in, and you know things are kind of looking up. And the climb was delayed, but here here it comes. Um, yeah, would not be against that. I think that's an interesting idea. Yeah. All right. So okay, on board. Um, second question. Uh, oh, how does WV match? We well, we we already answered how WV matches up with with Oklahoma on the pod. Um, I think you know advantage uh, our passing game against their pass defense. Um, I'd say we are exposed uh, in the same the same way on the other side of the ball. Um, concerned mm-hmm. about their their pass catchers against our defensive backs um, would be kind of my two there. Joel, you have anything to to pop in, or do we cover it enough? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'd say best case scenario is Green lights him up through the air like uh, he did in, I think, the Houston game. Um, best case scenario on defense is we get pressure. Dylan Gabriel has three turnovers, and um, we do enough in the secondary. That, that's that's what I'm looking for. Yep. All righty. Um, thoughts on BYU fans from Rocky Mountaineer. Thoughts on the BYU fans crying about the refing. It's ridiculous. I tend to agree. Um, I think, you know, ref complaints have a little more carry a little more water for me when it's not a, a you know, a 30 point game. Um, the one targeting that I'm seeing everybody bitch about, like when Beanie Bishop's like trying to dive and make a play on that little outcut, like I don't that that really I mean, there's helmet to helmet contact, but it's not intentional. It's not launched. I, you know, I don't I don't I, I agree with the no call. I'm biased, obviously, but um yeah, a little, little ridiculous in my opinion when you, you know, the refs didn't, the refs didn't uh, uh, score 37 points. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. There. yeah, I mean, I, the, the refs don't get my vote of confidence last night. There was like several super late flags and just some weird stuff. But yeah, I mean, if uh, you didn't have a scoreboard, there were equal penalties for equal yards pretty much both ways. Um, yep. Both teams had some holds. Both teams had procedural stuff. Uh, both teams had... Really big plays negated by super late flags. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really paying much mind to that. Okay, question from Dr. Feelgood. Thoughts on the attendance? Um, it was okay. Uh, it was okay. It was an okay crowd. It was not a great crowd. It was a good crowd. Um, I will say, I mean, people showed up early, but uh, I think people showed up early because they thought it was a seven o'clock kick and not a seven fifteen kick. <laughs> so I know a lot of folks who got to their seats and were like, "Oh shit, okay," and then went to the beer line and got their two beers, and then you know, like had, had a little had a little cool down time after they got in the stadium. Um, but yeah, good good crowd, not a great crowd. What I think it ended up right around fifty one thousand, yep. um, which is you know nothing crazy for a Saturday night game in November when the weather's you know as good as you could possibly hope for for uh, for a November night game. Um, was very impressed by BYU's fans. I will say, um, decent enough interactions in the parking lot. Um, but they packed out their whole section. They stayed till the very end of the game, you know, which is, I I think says something in a blowout. And then they actually stayed in same country roads too. So, um, was very, very impressed with the BYU traveling, uh, contingent there. Mm -hmm. I'm always a little disappointed in our our students specifically. I mean, um, Especially just like the TV broadcast angle when they come out of halftime and they're showing the booth and you can see the upper deck is like thinning on the top left there. That always has rubbed me the wrong way, Um, especially because I went to grad school at Ohio State and I was a part of the how do you get tickets for an Ohio State game? You pay hundreds of dollars to go to them to sit in the student section still. 
West Virginia kids get free tickets to go to the games. You just have to enter a lottery. Um, and if you go to them, you basically get them every time because your, your odds go up. Um, I mean, I get it. There's other stuff to do, but yeah, that always rubs me a little bit the wrong way. Um, as we were running the clock out, um, we flipped over to the Bama LSU game last night and to see what their crowd is like, um, it, you know, we're not Bama it's, uh, and, and we're not yeah. on that level. So yeah, I don't know. We act like we want to be an amazing fan base. Um, sometimes we are, and sometimes we aren't when it's convenient. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, like if you can't show up for a night, perfect weather game in November, when you're in the hunt, when are you going to show up when we're top five in the country? Yeah. Yeah, Everyone goes to those games. Yeah. You're going to be waiting a little while. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely with you. You know, we don't need to go, go on air about, we have thoughts about the fan base for sure. Um, and yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't overly impressed. It was fine. It was loud. It was loud at crucial moments, but I mean, again, you know, it was such a blowout so early that, you know, it's not like there was a, a crucial third down in the fourth quarter that people had to get up for. Right. So, um, yeah, good crowd. Not, not a great crowd. Um, let's see. You have to play the schedule you're given, but how fool's gold are we? Um, no more than any other team kind of in our, you know, you're a couple games above 500 range, right? Like I think every single team that is in our, in our tier, it, the reason we are in our tier is because we're beating up on shitty teams and then we're probably going to lose to the the couple of good teams that we play. Right. Um, so I don't think we're any more, uh, fool's gold than any, than anybody else. I don't know about you, Joel, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we look at some, a lot of the sets we talk about on the pod are opponent adjusted. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're pretty good. We're above average in some of that stuff. We're a little below average in some of that stuff. I mean, yeah, you play the schedule you're given. We play two teams who are still in the hunt. One of them was Oklahoma state who beat us. And one is OU who we're about to find out. Uh, otherwise we've done pretty solid. Uh, you know, we lost, lost to Penn state. I think everyone would agree they're better than us and then you're a hail mary way hail mary tip down away from winning every game you were supposed to so yep. yeah i don't think we're fools gold yep agreed let me see let me pull my let's see that's the last one that might have been the last one okay couple okay couple of questions reader content discord content we should probably start doing this every week um, yeah asking you guys for questions and stuff um because obviously the interaction, the back and forth is is what it's all about. You know, could say that we're making millions of dollars, but we're certainly not. So <laughs> we're just making hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Don't worry. That's right. <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing it for the love of the game out here. The love yeah. of the game. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, hey, free content. Joel, any 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 other last thoughts that we didn't already cover on the um, on the regular pod? No, I think it's good. Yeah, hit us with the hit us with the questions, and if we uh, if we get some, we'll we'll just add it in as a segment there, maybe right in the middle of the of the pod. So yeah, appreciate the the stuff, and yeah, you can hit us up on Discord tag. You can tag West by Pod or us individually, or hit us up on Twitter. Either works for us. Yep. All right, gang. So a little recap this week for the Big Twelve. I think this is a really interesting week. So last week we had all the top of the table sort of head to head. This week. Every single team who's still got a shot is is basic, other than West Virginia, Oklahoma. The other five teams who still have a shot, they're they're all out on their own uh, and can't afford to slip up. So the way the way the conference is sitting right now, and I'm gonna look back to my whiteboard because I had this this up here. We have uh, Oklahoma State and Texas. Those are your your number one uh, tied number one seeds, I guess. Um, obviously, if both of them win out, they're going to be in the title game uh, with one loss. 
All it takes is one of them to lose for that tied for second place to drop down to two losses. Uh, currently at two losses, we have five teams. You have OU, Iowa State, Kansas State, Kansas, and West Virginia. Um, and all of those teams are in play this week. And other than West Virginia, Oklahoma, they're playing a team who's not in contention. So not a lot of slip-ups um, can be afforded anymore for these teams. First game uh, on Saturday is Texas Tech at Kansas. Obviously, Kansas is the two-loss team here, still in contention. Um, I think they got things rolling for them. I think uh, they're going to be heavy favorites against Texas Tech, who uh, you know hasn't really put together the season they were looking for. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to say Kansas is, is probably in good shape here. They've played really well at home this year as well. Yep. Hey, the Lawrence, you know, you, you get those basketball fans, something to be excited about in the fall. Um, and Hey, they're going to show up for it. But, um, yeah. Did you say, is there a line on this one? Uh, I mean, I would guess I'm guessing probably somewhere around 10 for, for Kansas. Yeah, we, we're recording early on a, uh, early on Sunday. I'm not seeing lines on here. Um, so I can maybe I'll pull up Circa and see if they have any lines out yet but uh yeah i would imagine kansas is going to be more than touchdown favorite yep um next game on the docket is three o'clock uh this is baylor at kansas state and kind of a similar story i mean kansas state's been playing pretty incredible football this year to have three losses all three losses were were kind of tough ones and to quality opponents baylor hasn't had a lot go right other than one quarter a fourth quarter at ucf so um (laughs) Kansas State, this is in Manhattan. I expect Kansas State to handle business here as well, and I expect them to be more than a touchdown favorite. Yeah, this is this could be a this could be a bad one. Baylor feels like the kind of stupid sloppy team that that Kansas State just chews up and spits the bones out. So, um, yeah, expect uh, expect Kansas State to roll. Yep. Um, our next one, Oklahoma State has to travel to Orlando, Florida, to play UCF. Um, you know, UCF's a, a potentially potent team. Uh, but you better hope they can stop the run because Ollie Gordon has just been dragging people with him this year, uh, or at least the last month. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a leading rusher in the conference by a lot. And he, you know, it's just it's just so every week it's more and more incredible that this dude wasn't taking snaps when they were losing to South Alabama by multiple scores. It's like, what were you guys? Did you know who you had on your roster? Or yeah. like, what, what, what happened in between then and now? Um, so... I don't know. I mean, do you think that's a potential trap game going down to Orlando? Uh, I, I, I would say, I mean, yes, right. On, on, on paper, it looks, it looks a little dangerous. Like UCS, a frisky opponent. Um, I think we've kind of covered that. They, they, they have a little bit more punch to them, a little bit more spark than, than I think the other, the other three newcomers. Um, but I think you, I mean, I think you're right on it with the Ollie Gordon pieces. We ran for what, two, uh, what, 280 on them. Um, CJ had a mm-hmm. big game. Ollie Gordon's, you know, love love our guys. Ollie Gordon's better than our guys, and he's he's running for what he. <laughs> I I don't know. I it feels like the game where it's just like, oh, that's nice. You have some playmakers. We're just gonna give it to him thirty five times, and and we'll see you. Like this game's gonna be over in like two and a half hours, you know, kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Yes, on paper the spot looks like a trap, but I just think that the way that Oklahoma State's playing right now, and with Ollie Gordon, it's it's. I think they're going to be all right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so moving on to the night games, 7 o'clock Eastern, Cincy at Houston. Not a big game. Two newcomers, two bottom dwellers. Uh, ESPN tells me this is in Houston. ESPN tells me tickets as low as $3, um, and that tells me all I needed to know about this this matchup. Just not a, not a super interested. I mean, 
maybe get a Cincy scout for our coming weeks, but, um, but I'm assuming Houston will probably win this, but, uh, also these teams, neither of them are, are too great. Yeah. This is a kid's table game, right? Um, yeah, shoot high demand. What tickets for ours are going for $1. So must be people out there a little bit of buzz for this, for this Houston, uh, Cincinnati matchup. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Houston, Houston seems to have a little bit more going for it, you know, even even considering the high variance, right? Their highs have been higher than Cincinnati's. Um, mm-hmm. So if they come out and play a good game, I would expect them to win. Yep. Uh, 7.30 Eastern, Texas at TCU. I think this could be a potential trap game. Uh, TCU, they care about playing Texas. The boosters care about Texas. Um, and let's not pretend like TCU doesn't know how to win big games. They did it a lot last year. Um TCU is four and five, two and four in conference. Texas is in first place in the conference. You know, they, they really can't afford these slip ups or they, they fall in that big pile of second place teams. Um, and, uh, well, and quite the flip side tickets as low as $178 in Fort Worth. I think this, if I had to pick a game that is, uh, you know, this kind of top half of the table could slip up. I think it's this one. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, no doubt. Like you said, uh, you know, TCU, everybody's everybody's trying to get their shots in on these two teams uh, when they're leaving. Right. So, I mean, you know, they're getting they're getting everybody's best best swing every week. Um, and TCU's best swing, you know, they're not a good team, but their best swing's probably still good enough to make this tricky, um, especially. I mean, you know, I guess we still don't, we probably don't know about Ewers. I think we talked about it uh, last week that the, the, the AC sprain or the sprain that he had in his shoulders, like a two to four week timetable. Um, and so this is, we, what, this would now be going on two weeks. Um, so I guess chance that he could be back, but if the backups in, you know, he's, he's, he's got skills, but he's, he's, he's a, he's a high variance player. You know, we're talking about high variance. He's a, he's a guy who will make some mistakes too. So, um, yeah, could see this being a little tricky. I I think the thing, the, the problem, I mean, we saw what our defense did, our defensive line did to TCU, um, we were what we sacked them five or six times. Had had about twenty twenty five pressures in that game, and Texas's defensive line is is you know one of the five or ten best in in the country probably. So um, that would be that would be my concern is that maybe you know they just take over the line of scrimmage and make it tough. But um, but yeah, little sneaky tricky game. I'll be rooting for TCU for sure. Definitely, yep, definitely. We need all these teams in the top to lose for West Virginia's sake. But uh, also just for the hateful eight, I think we're all rooting for TCU there. Um, last non-WVU game is 10-15. And I think I saw this is the latest Big 12 kickoff uh, ever. A 10-15 Eastern. Iowa State has to travel to Provo. Um, and Iowa State, man, I mean, they're 4-2. and two. They're, they're still in this mix. But traveling to Provo is never fun. I think I heard BYU's won like 17 of their last 18 night games in Provo. Um they, they went a lot there. It's a tough place to play, and uh, I'm sure their fans are, are going to be out. They, they seem to have a solid fan base. So, um, Also a potential tricky game for Iowa State, who has sort of uh, you know skated through some of the season, taking advantage of some lesser teams. BYU is a lesser team, but uh, yeah, this, this one's not going to be a gimme either. Yeah, little little taste of their own medicine there, huh? Usually, it's usually people are, are going to Ames at night and hating themselves for it. Um, yeah, BYU, BYU uh, night game home. BYU is a real thing. Um, like you said, yeah, seventeen and one in their last eighteen. Um, I know he he didn't really get a, a a ton of a chance or much chance to show it against us, but quarterback quarterback seemed like he had a little bit of skill. You know, he wasn't a stiff out there. Um, mm-hmm. 
considering considering the situation, right? Where I mean, they can't run the ball, and 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 we were we were kind of pressuring, but I still thought you know he was, um, he's got something to him. Um, so it'll be interesting. I don't know. I I, I don't have a good feel for um, Iowa State's defense. Um, but I would expect. I mean, the offense is going to move the ball. Beck is. Uh, Beck. They've been playing well on offense out there. So, yeah, um, yeah. Tricky, tricky spot. I would expect Iowa State to win, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're going to be favored, but um, it's not a game I would love to go play, especially the ten fifteen kickoff. That's just yeah, odd. that's brutal. That that's kind of a little added variable in there that um, really stinks for teams. I mean, that's that's a big difference in playing a seven o'clock night game versus a ten fifteen night game. That's uh, quite different on the body clock. I mean, ten fifteen, you're not going to be finishing till after one. Um, oh yeah, it just feels odd to be playing football at that hour. So. Um, all right, so big week in the Big 12. Uh, there's this week and two more to go, and uh, half the conference is still right right there. So pretty exciting. Uh, West Virginia has quite the consequential game as well. Uh, we traveled to Norman, and uh, you know the national fan base, they just want night games. They want to see West Virginia in primetime. Here we are again, um, finding ourselves in primetime so much. Um, this will be a game on Fox. And... Uh, you know, getting an Oklahoma team who I think kind of got their sting knocked out of them this week. I am curious if this is a uh, going to be an angry Oklahoma team coming off a loss and backs against the wall, or if this could be a potentially deflated uh, team and maybe fan base too, because Oklahoma, you know, was sitting in the chance to still make a playoff. You know, they had the Texas win. They had it in front of them. Um, that's kind of gone now. I, I don't think they're really going to get back into that position. So I wonder if that's going to take a little pop out of, you know, their step and it's going to be interesting to see how they respond in a game where, you know, like I said, playoff was still in front of them. And now, now you're fighting for your life to, to make the conference championship game. Yeah. And you're, and you're on the outside looking in, right? I mean, you know, you've lost two now, uh, both in conference and, and like we said, it's, it's Oklahoma state and, and Texas in the driver's seat. And uh, yeah, for Oklahoma, those are probably the the, the two teams you'd least like to see uh, to be on the outside looking in at, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. You know, I think we we didn't really have a good feel for Oklahoma earlier in the year, right? They're they're smacking these teams really weak out of conference schedule. Um, smack uh, smack Iowa State around pretty good, which I think is their well, not their best win, but you know they're doing all this stuff, and then they we we kind of took that Texas game, and we're like, oh, I guess they are that good, you know. Um, but then these last three weeks, right? Like, I mean, they've lost two in a row, Kansas and uh, and then uh, Bedlam last week. Really could have been three, right? UCF took them to the wire in Norman uh, the week before we played UCF. Um, so really could be three losses in a row. And I think it's just we're, we're starting to see some of the cracks that we kind of talked about in the deep dive, right? Where it's like, you know, um, are, are these like, should they really be like one of the favorites in the conference? Like, right. I mean, this is it's a lot of the same guys who were on this team that went six and six last year. Um, and so, yeah, I think that what we've seen the last couple weeks is a little bit more of what I expected from them. Um, just, you know, at, at a high level, like where, where they, I mean, they have good players. They still have, you know, probably one of the two or three most talented rosters in the league, but, um, it, it you know, it's in the, it's in the trenches, especially the offensive line, I think where, where they've kind of taken a step back. Um, and it's just really made them mortal. You know, I think that, um, for for a while there, there was like this battleship mentality where where people just you know Oklahoma State had a lot of teams beat before they even kicked off the ball, um, you know I think over the last decade or so and, and that that aura is all the way gone now right where mm-hmm. teams are going in there teams think that they can play with Oklahoma and teams think they can beat Oklahoma, um, and and I certainly 
I certainly feel that way about us. So high level, that's kind of how I feel. Um, I think we can go in there and give them, give them all that they want. Yeah, I feel like when I was in school between 2014, 2018, it was like when you play Oklahoma, it's like you better play your absolute best game and you're going to need a couple things to go right because they're, they just, you know, they don't really make those kinds of mistakes. Um, the Oklahoma we've seen last year and, and really this year as well as, uh, or maybe more like the last two weeks. I mean, it's, it's definitely a beatable team and they've had some games this year, even not in losses where, uh, they definitely look mortal. They definitely don't have that aura around them where you're like, yeah, this team's unbeatable. They're not running the conference like they, they used to for, for many, many years. I mean, they did do that for a long time. Um, and you know, I think probably like one of the big things about this game, at least like looking in, you know. Who's on these teams? The big thing is the quarterbacks. I mean, these are the two. PFF has these two guys, Dylan Gabriel and Garrett Green. Um, I would say far and away the two best quarterbacks now, uh, which is, you know, exactly what we predicted back in September. that This was going to be the duel for who is the best quarterback in the conference. Um, Dylan Gabriel is leading the conference with an 89.5 grade in PFF. Garrett Green is 86.6. Those are your one and your two. John Reese Plumley has slid up to third now, but he's down in 82s. So, um, you know, a pretty substantial gap. But these are your top two guys. And, you know, Oklahoma's over the years, they've had, you know, all kinds of different talent. They've had different looking quarterbacks. They've had strengths. You know, it could be running and passing one year. It kind of has gone back and forth. This year, they're chucking the ball. I mean, that's what they've been really good at is giving, giving Dylan Gabriel the ball and, and letting him cook, really. Um you know, beta rank, they're the ninth best pass offense, and that's adjusted for opponent. Um, so that's really been, you know, the what's what's made them tick. And looking into this game, you know, I think my biggest worry is just that he has one of those games where he throws for 400 yards and our defensive backs look like they have in the bad games and, and a lot of games in the last couple of years. You know, that's the that's the bad case scenario. Um, you know, just from a from a a thousand foot view. The, the good case scenario here is what, how, how are we going to be successful? Well, um, if there's a weakness on their defense, it's been the passing game. Um, they're 36th in beta rank pass defense, which is, you know, right around average for a power five school. Um, you know, this is, this is Garrett Green's time to cook it up. And, and, you know, on this stage night game in Norman, uh, this is where you need your best player to play the best. And, um, hopefully this is, you know, hopefully this offense continues to get better. I mean, I would say, Nothing's linear, but we have steadily improved as the season has gone on. And uh, we're probably going to need it in this game. Uh, the defense is also going to have to play one of their better games. Um, this team is beatable, but this team is good. I mean, there's no way around it. They, when they play well, they are very good. Hey, what a, what a treat for us to get to watch the two best quarterbacks in the Big 12 just duke it out in primetime, huh? Who would have thought? You know, look at us. Hey, look at, look at us. Good for us. Good for That's Garrett. It's reminiscent of 2018, a Will Greer, um, oh. Kyler, or uh, yeah, Murray. Kyler, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, hey, you know, wh- uh, why not Garrett, right? Why not Garrett? Maybe this is the, uh, you know, we thought it was going to be the, the the UCF John Reese Plumley game, but maybe maybe this is the one. Him kind of taking the throne from Dylan Gabriel, taking the crown as the best quarterback in the Big 12 and just really jumpstarting that 24 Heisman uh, slash national championship campaign. Um. Yeah, you know, who knows? I'll tell I'll knows? tell you why Garrett Green. He they both have 15 big time throws on the year. Um Garrett has five turnover worthy plays. Dylan Gabriel has 12. Um so that's a check for Garrett Green. The other check is the running game. I mean, Gabriel can scoot, but but Garrett Green's a better runner of the two. I mean, 
I, I think that's that's pretty clear, and you know, I think his stats back that up as well. I mean, you you don't have to sell me, but yeah, no, no. <laughs> so dude, Gabriel Gabriel's good. He's he's. I mean, he's the premier quarterback in the league right now. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade Garrett Green for him, but um, great player, dude. He's completing like seventy one percent of his passes, twenty to five um, interception ratio. So you know, perhaps getting a little lucky. I mean, you mentioned the twelve turnover where he plays. He's only gotten five of them picked off, so maybe he's due for a little, um, you know, some of those to get intercepted. Um, but yeah, you said it, man. Oklahoma's offense—it's it, the passing game. Um, I think they they lead the Big Twelve with forty-one explosive passes, um, lots of play action, lots of screens. Um, and Gabriel's just—he's an effective thrower. He's a good thrower at every level. Um, they they got a lot of. I think the the scariest thing for me. Um, Gabriel can push it down the field a little bit, but these pass catchers, they got Jake, uh, Drake Stoops, Jaleel Farouk, um, Andrew Anthony, and Nick Anderson are kind of the four guys. Um, they're all good in space, uh, especially Farouk, especially is like a slippery MFR after the catch. And there's been a couple times this year, right? Like, you know, uh, the, the Houston game, the UCF game, where it did kind of feel like, um, you know, we were, we were covering dudes. We were making a little bit of plays, but like, I, our, our tackling in space one-on-one wasn't great. And the way that Oklahoma, Oklahoma does a lot of short, short passes, a lot of screens. I think they run like 25 screens on like 25% of their, their pass plays are screens, which is a, a super high percentage where it's just an extension of the run game, right? They're throwing the ball to Farouk yep. and just saying, Hey, make, make a guy miss and pick up seven yards. And he's really good at that. Um, so I think that's, that's my biggest concern. Um, is just that all, all of these guys are, are quality players, productive pass catchers. They're all good in space. Um, and so we, yeah, we need our corners. We need our defensive backs to tackle really well. Um, the running game, it's it's fine. Um, Gabriel's a big piece of it, like you mentioned. Um, what I think he has like 60 carries. He has eight touchdowns running, which is which is a lot. Um, but it's just a, it's a it's a it's a middle of the road running game in the Big Twelve. You know, it's not a it's not a sledgehammer like it used to be. The, they got Tawi Walker, Marcus Major, kind of the two primary candlers, uh, ball, ball carriers. Um, guy named Gavin Sawchuk gets gets a little bit of tick every now and then, but um, it's not it's not an overly productive running game. Middle of the road, only four point four yards per carry on early downs, which I think is going to be a, a crucial um, stat this week because I you know I think. I mentioned earlier their offensive line hasn't been hasn't been very good. They're 13th in the Big 12 in both running and passing block grade, um, 13th out of 14. And I think the only way that we can do that, we got to make them one dimensional, um, just so that like we we know Gabriel's going to be thrown right. Like we can't let this be a thing where the the play action game is slaying us and and they're picking up five six yards a game uh, yards a carry and then being able to throw it out wide to these guys. Like we have to make it a kind of a situation where like okay if you're going to beat us it's going to be Gabriel and like, he's more than capable of beating us in that situation. Right. But yep. um, I think that's got to be the MO. Yeah. No, I mean, they, they got guys, they got a lot of weapons. Um, you know, Drake Stoops is an interesting guy to me. This is their, their leading target guy. I mean, he's basically a slot guy. He's um, I was looking at his um, high school, you know, like scouting report. He doesn't even have one on two, four, seven. He was a three-star guy. And I wonder how much his name even carried him to three stars. Um, you know, he comes into Oklahoma and, you know, he's really made a name for himself. He, he kind of reminds me of like a poor man's like Wes Welker almost, um, you know, like a kind of a, not a big body over the middle. 
Um, but you know, he's not afraid to, to take the contact and, you know, go and kind of do the dirty work, but, um, you know, he's, he's kind of like what makes their offense go. He's had at least four catches in, uh, every full game he's played this year. So, um, you know, definitely look out for that, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying is this, they, they got guys, they're going to spread us out. And, um, you know, Dylan Gabriel is a threat and when he's cooking, man, it's, it, He's got a big arm. He can get out of the pocket, and he can pick up first downs with his legs. He can make the throws. I mean, this is a good quarterback. Um, but maybe this is just – maybe I'm, I'm really speaking about Garrett Green here when I'm just kind of doing the comparison because they are similar style players. Um, I'm just so impressed at how Garrett Green has protected the ball, you know, this yeah. year because I'm looking at Gabriel in the run. He has four fumbles this year. Um, he has m- much more turnover-worthy plays. Um, so, you know, he can be a little bit of a gunslinger at times and, and that has gotten him into trouble. Uh, but overall this offense, um, you know, they got guys, this is, this is a quality team. Um, and they haven't been, they haven't been out of a game this year. They lost by a possession to Kansas and a possession to Oklahoma state. Um, my caveat to that is how many teams have they beaten? What, what is maybe I'll say, what is the record against teams who are at or above West Virginia's quality? When I'm looking on their schedule, I'm just going to read down Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati. I don't think any of those teams are there. Iowa State, this was early season Iowa State. They they cleaned them up 50 to 20. After that, they beat Texas. They beat UCF by a two-point conversion. I mean, that was a close game. Then they lose to Kansas and Oklahoma State. So depending if you want to throw Iowa State in that group or not, um, they're either one and two or two and two against teams at or better than West Virginia. Um, so you know, like many teams, the Big 12 has some some weaker competition this year, and they are some teams are cleaning up on them. Oklahoma has done that, um, but clearly they have uh, they've had some games where they have struggled, and and also you know when they're facing good competition, they're they're not just blowing them out either. I um, mean, they only scored 24 points against Oklahoma State, so um, yeah, and, and you know, hope that we can contain these guys. Looking at their. Um, you know, offensive line. I don't think this is an Oklahoma offensive line of old, but this is a good offensive line. I mean, I feel like back in the day, maybe maybe the last like six years ago, eight years ago or whatever, it was like they just had like the best five linemen in the conference. It felt like every year, like yeah. that was kind of their thing. Um, I, I don't know that that's really the case now. No, I don't. I don't think so. I, I, I expect, you know, I don't think that part part of the, the, uh, the this this stat is that they throw the ball a lot, but um, Gabriel, I think is is second in the conference in number of times he's been pressured like eighty two times this year. Um, I think only Donovan Smith has been pressured more. So yeah, but no, I mean you know they let people they let people get in there. Um, you know, and it's definitely definitely not Oklahoma of old. And I, I think that's the recipe for us is 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 beat up this offensive line right. Like our defensive line has to win the line of scrimmage. Um, we can't let them run the ball. Like I said, running game is, is nothing to write home about. Um, yeah, you know, get, get them, get them behind the sticks and then, you know, see if these guys can block, see if these guys can pick up blitzers. Um, you know, see what happens. Gabriel's pretty good under pressure. Um, like, like a lot of mobile guys are, but he, he stays cool back there. Um, doesn't really ding him too much, but I think that has to be the recipe is, is, you know, like, like, like you were saying, he'll, he'll be a little bit reckless with the, with the ball every now and then. Um, you know, put him in some situations where he has to take a chance, see what happens. Yep. Yeah. And I just pulled up the PFF blocking grades. I mean, in the conference of 14 teams, 
They are 13th in run block and they are 12th in pass block. I mean, that is not Oklahoma that we're used to, but that is that is our advantage. You know, our defensive line hopefully can can exploit that. Um, on the flip side, though, they're number one in passing um, and they're number two in receiving. Their run game sits right about the middle. So, you know, I think our recipe, generally speaking, here is um, you got to do whatever you can to disrupt the pass game, and you got to hope that our strengths continue to, you know, be good enough to to power them on, you know, especially like the line play, get pressure, force them into quick decisions, and hope he makes, you know, two or three turnover worthy plays. And hopefully you capitalize on all those. You got to catch them. You got to recover these fumbles. Um, you know, it's gonna gonna take a little bit of luck in some of those scenarios. But yeah, I think forcing them into to quick decision making and and not letting them have these plays that develop. The last thing I want to see is a three man rush where he has you know a five step drop. He looks around. He gets out of the pocket and he throws the ball fifty yards downfield because before the camera even pans, I'm not gonna be feeling good about the outcome of a play like that. Um, that that's sort of where he can thrive when these broken plays and, and really using his feet. So, um, yeah, let's, let's keep the, the time to throw short. Let's get after him, um, and hopefully force him into some, some questionable decisions. Um, anything else on OU offense? I don't think we're good. All right. Yeah. Defense. Um, so obviously this is Brent Venables coach team. Um, this is not a Lincoln Riley coach team. So they actually play defense in Oklahoma now. Um, and they, they've done pretty well this year. Uh, beta rank defense is 18th and that's pretty high for, uh, for Oklahoma for the last 10 years or so. Uh, they're especially good against the run. They're 13th in uh, beta rank rush rank. Um, so obviously maybe that's the, uh, the strength on strength coming off a 300 some yard rushing game, uh, versus a, a pretty solid rush defense though. They did let Ollie Gordon, who you know has been doing that to other teams? He still had over 120 yards on them this week, but they, it did take him 33 carries. So um, you know that is that is a little extra. They're 36 in beta rank pass defense, so that's about average for a Power Five team. Um, in terms of PFF, they sit at third overall defense, uh, second in rush defense, and fourth in pass rush. Their coverage rank is fifth um and overall tackling fifth so if they have a weaker component i would say it is the passing game uh so garrett green time to let it fly is is sort of what i'm seeing from a a matchup standpoint yeah let the let the kid cook um so my first note here is is like is this defense as good as as like so beta rank likes him a lot um and then i think you look at some of the raw stats um, 19.8 points per game, right? That's third in the conference. 134 rush yards per game is fourth. Um, but then if you, if you filter them by, uh, just, you exclude the, what the, the two trash out of conference. So what do they, they, you said they played Arkansas state and, and Tulsa and there's three bad teams out of conference, right? If you just go P five teams, it jumps up to 25 points per game, which is fifth in the conference, 161 rush yards per game, which is eighth. And 268 pass yards per game, which is 13th. 429 yards overall, which is 10th. Um, so, you know, I mean, I mean, you look at some of these numbers and, and like, I do wonder um, if there is something to this where, you know, they, they were kind of propped up maybe maybe against some lesser competition or at least performed well enough against against those bad teams. Um, and now that they're playing some quality competition, like we're, we're starting to see some cracks. Um, you know, I mean, the raw numbers are the one thing. I You know, I think the, th- the thing that this, that this defense is really good at 
um, is is kind of creating havoc. Um, so you know you're able to to gain some yards on them. You can score some points if you take care of the ball, right? But they they put a lot of pressure on you. I think they have 171 pressures, um, which is second in the conference only to Texas at 196. But then the next highest after them is at 147, right? Like I think most of the teams are kind of log jammed between 120 and 130. So they do create a lot of pressure on the quarterback. 7.9 tackles for loss per game is seventh in FBS. Um, and then the result of that, you know, they put you behind the sticks. They send pressure at you. They have 19 takeaways, um, which is the most in the conference. They have the best turnover margin in the conference and 15 interceptions, which is second in FBS. So I think that's that's kind of the MO of this defense. Is they, they put you behind the sticks and then they just try and force you into mistakes. And if you can avoid those, you know, there are yards and points to be gained there and points to be scored. Um, but it's easier said than done because, I mean, they have some they have some dudes on defense, right? And which is it's not surprising when you consider who their coach is. You know, we figured it would only be a matter of time until he got that thing sorted out. But they have, I mean, I'm looking, like if you just go position by position, um, for the top 13 dudes, interior defensive linemen by grade uh, per PFF, um, three of the top 20-ish edge guys, um, three of the top nine linebackers, Right. Like, I mean, you just kind of go back through the defense. There's a lot of good players. There are some weak spots, I think. Um, but but there are a lot of good players on this defense. Um, and that's kind of the thing that sticks out to me is they, you know, they they, they put these guys in, in positions to to win one on one matchups. A lot of these guys do it um, and they're able to, to cause chaos and, and, and then they take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like what I'm thinking in a matchup perspective of this is, you know, we, we kind of I mentioned it might be, you know, good on good in the running game. Um, yep. versus them you know in the passing game it's, some of it might come down to some depth we have at offensive line uh we're battling some injuries um hopefully we get doug nestor back this week um you know just, just getting the line healthy and, and getting a, enough bodies in rotation if we if we need them so that's one thing that's going to help hopefully to limit pressures um the other one's going to be can our receivers create separation i mean yeah. can we you know get open can we can we find someone to get the ball to um, you know, every pressure, every quarterback is going to do worse when they're pressured because once they are pressured, like that, that has already happened. The person is now on top of them or, or very close to them. What I think is an interesting number about Garrett green is his PFF grade is actually better when we are blitzed than we are not. Um, which is really interesting quirk that he is finding the open guy when there are guys there, he's able to make those quick decisions. And that's also maybe a, a factor of our offensive line is good enough to handle a blitz, a little better um, than some other ones. So, you know, this comes down to, you know, is Oklahoma going to blitz a lot versus, um, you know, is it Garrett going to be able to make those decisions and are there going to be open guys? Are there going to be, you know, good decisions to be made there? Can our receivers continue to create separation? Um, You know, Horton's been playing well. I think Carter's played well. Preston Fox has carved a nice little space out for himself in the offense. Cole Taylor got to continue to take advantage uh, of the opportunities he's been given. Um, you know, even CJ, I, I, I didn't love some of the play calling to get CJ, uh, the ball the way we did, but, um, you know, it's not going to be just, it is going to be a full team thing here where offensive lines got to do their part. Receivers got to get open in a reasonable amount of time. I mean, that, that's definitely going to be part of this equation. Yeah. I think, you know, when I'm, when I'm looking at this, I mentioned all the dudes on the line. Um, the, the linebackers are pretty good, pretty deep. Corners are all pretty good. They rotate. They have Woody Washington, who plays the majority of the snaps, and then they rotate um, three other guys who have all played pretty well. Um, but, 
they do have, uh, you know, like if I was going to look at somewhere where I, you know, I think we could maybe take advantage of them, um, or where, you know, where I like our matchup, um, the, uh, the safeties. Um, so, so Billy Bowman, Reggie Pearson, um, Key Lawrence and Peyton Bowen, kind of a four man rotation, uh, that they have at safety Bowman, uh, Billy Bowman and, and Key Lawrence are the two starters. They play the most, um, these guys are they're they're okay. Um, not not grading out all that well. I know. I mean, Bowman and Pearson are both in the fifties. I think Lawrence is low sixties, and then Bowen's a little higher. But um, not great at covering. Um, and then all of them are they're, they're, Bowman, Lawrence, and Pearson especially are, are shaky tacklers. All three of these guys are over twenty percent missed tackle rate. They have forty five missed tackles combined. Um, and, and, you know, so like, I'm wondering just like the way that we've played with Jaheim, right? Like these are the guys who are going to be coming downhill, trying to fill in the alley, um, in, in the run game. Um, and they're the guys who are going to be covering guys like Cole Taylor in the flats. They're, they're you know, they're going to be, who is expected to make tackles on that guy. They're expected to be covering guys like, like, uh, Preston Fox, like you said, you know, he's kind of carved a little niche. I feel like he's shown a really good ability to kind of get vertical up the seam in the middle of the field, um, is where I feel like a lot of his, his paths have come. So wondering I'm, I'm looking at that group of safeties and wondering if um you know maybe that's something we can take advantage of because i i mean you mentioned it their past defense is definitely the weakness uh, of this defense um they've allowed 94 10 plus yard passes which is the most in the conference they've allowed 31 20 plus yard passes which is tied for ninth in the conference um so there are plays there are plays to be made in the passing game um and you know i i think it probably goes without saying we're not going to win this game unless garrett plays well but I do feel like there's going to be the opportunity is going to be there for him to play well. You know what I mean? Like the stage is going to kind of be set. Um, I think there's going to be dudes open uh, middle of the field um, and, and we just need him to make the throws. Right. Like he's he's done really well down the field. He's missed a couple layups this year. Right. And this feels like a game where there are going to be layups available. He's got it. He's got to make his layups this game. Um, and if he can do that, you know, I think if we can keep him off balance. I mean, the way we've played the last four or five weeks. um, Keep them off balance, you know. Hit those, hit those chain mover kind of passes. Take our shots in the passing game where, where we can, um, and then just give them a steady dose of, of, uh, of, of CJ and Jaheim. Um, you know, teams have teams have tried to run it. I think only Kansas has gone over two hundred yards, but um, I've seen Kansas and Iowa State both averaged um, over five and a half yards a carry against them. Everybody else has been under four. But those are two teams with mobile quarterbacks, right? Who they don't play exactly like we do, but there's there are similar elements in their offenses um, that I think allowed them to to be successful uh, against Oklahoma in the running game. So maybe maybe some of that for us as well. But um, I like our matchup in the passing game. I think we'll be able to I think we'll be able to move the ball um, on them. Just can't can't give it away. Just can't give it away. Need to make our layups. We'll be all right. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the the layups in terms of the intermediate passes that are chain movers. I mean, that's that's what we got to have. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've never won in Norman. Um, we've only beat this team one time, and it was in, in conference play, and that was last year. Would be really nice to send them out with the uh, the L to to leave the conference and uh, a really long scoreboard versus OU. Um, looking forward to it. Um, hey, we're in mid mid November. We're moving into mid November. We still got a shot in this conference. We're still playing games that mean a lot. And um, not to be pessimistic about this game, but even if we lose this game, we have two very winnable games coming up. Eight and four is definitely within reach, and probably the most likely outcome at this point. Um, so 
all the uh, West Virginia fans who just can't wait for a bad thing to happen. The expectation was not to be in this position. Um, the expectation was definitely not to uh, beat Oklahoma and end up, you know, in the final five-ish teams, you know, of this conference race. Uh, here we are with a shot. You weren't supposed to be here. You were supposed to be 14th in the conference. You find yourself here. Uh, let's take advantage. Let's uh, let's continue to to be in the mix. Play another week with a shot to uh, make it to Arlington. Um, and yeah, let's send them out with an L. That'll be. Uh, I know the the hateful eights all got our back in this one as well. Yep. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like Oklahoma might be a reeling team. They they got just out of super lucky versus UCF um, two point conversion away from sending that to OT. And then you know the Kansas loss, the Oklahoma State loss. Uh, I just wonder where their mentality is after three kind of let down weeks in a row. Are they ready to fold or are they, are we going to get their best shot of the season? It's, you know, it's so hard to tell those sort of things, but um, I think if we play above quality, above, you know, if we play at the level we've played this year or above uh, totally could walk into there and take home a W. I mean, I think, I think we are right there. Oh, you will be favored in this game. Um, but I think we, uh, we definitely have the same within reach. Um, and yeah, Garrett Green, have your have your uh, have your coming out party that next year you're going to be the the dude in this conference. I mean, uh, he's kind of already said that he's you know he's kind of made that that claim with his play so far this year. But um, this would be this would be a monumental win, um, and maybe um, rivalry games aside, this this could be the the win we have been waiting for in the Neil Brown era. Like the uh, this is the one you point to. Um, could be. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definite, definite statement win opportunity and, and yeah, very winnable game, man. Let's, let's go get it done. Um, send them out of here with a loss. I mean, fucking, you know, F these guys, uh, don't care for them. Would love to see them, see them go out with a, with a loss here. And six gives us every chance, man. As long as we got six out there, we got a shot. So, um, yeah, no, I think, I think we're going to go down there and give them their best shot. You know, there's, there's no excuse for us not to be up to this game. Um, from a from a player and from a fan perspective, right? We're playing meaningful games in November. It's all that's all any of us want. That's all any of us want. So, yep. <laughs> um, so yep. you know, it's it's a nice it's nice to be here again. Um, and yeah, let's take advantage. Let's pay this thing off, man. We we let the stupid Houston game get away from us. Just fucking stupid. We should be seven and two right now. So dumb. So so dumb. But pay this off, dude. We have every shot at nine and three. Like, and if you go into Norman and win a game, like nobody can take that away from you. You're right. Like. Yep. Yeah. Beat Oklahoma I mean, we, on the way out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we, we, we threw one away. Uh, we need to steal one back and this, this would be perfect one to do it. Well said, well said. All right. So you can find us on smokingmusket.com. Uh, Jordan writes a, uh, a preview each week. Make sure you check that out as well as other articles, uh, on West Virginia sports, especially with basketball season getting started, find articles there. You can also find all your West Virginia basketball, needs unreasonable doubt podcast um the season starts this week so uh we're really doing the thing um obviously lots of good news this year well not good news lots of lots of news to keep up with this year in the basketball world so make sure you check out unreasonable doubt um you can find us on twitter we're uh wv stats guy um we are game day shorts and we are west by pod with underscores in between um and join us in the smoking musket discord um, which continues to grow and continues to be really awesome on game days. Uh, it's a lot of fun to be in there, so make sure you check that out. Uh, otherwise, we will be back next week to uh, recap the OU game, 
and get you ready for the last two of the season. So thank you as always for listening and we will catch you next week. All right. Take care, gang. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.